This episode of Attention to Detail is proudly brought to you by our sponsors, Hop Him Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. Come on, Come on, you know, critical contests um, when the game's in the balance is, is all it takes in the AFL, especially against the top sides. And you know, us down back, we were pretty poor for about 10 minutes there, and all of a sudden they kicked three goals. So, you know, footy's a game of small margins, especially against the best teams. And, Whilst a lot of the game looked the way Melbourne want to play, but um, yeah, it does hurt a bit. We, I feel like we let this one go. Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the roller coaster ride that is barracking for the Melbourne Football Club. My name is Tim, and I am joined each and every week by my co-host Simo, mate. How are we doing? We're uh, it's school holidays, finally pods a little bit later this week. Nice chance to get a few days just to kind of, you know, recuperate, relax, try and regenerate a little bit. But yeah, how have you found the first few days off at least anyway? Oh, mate, how good's having sleep-ins back? <laughs> it's been unreal. And... Just wait till kids, mate. There's nothing to sleep-ins. <laughs> Don't rub it in. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah, just <laughs> just been able to do things whenever you want it. I think it's it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, obviously, a bit like... Yeah, you know, a bit different compared to yourself, but no, it's been awesome and just been able to, you know, do things, you know, when you, you don't normally get a chance to, like even just cleaning the house during the day and yeah, going to the shops and yeah, getting things rolling with a wedding for, for next year, which was pretty good fun. And yeah, even, uh, well, we haven't actually told the listeners this, but uh, Big Tim's going to be uh, the MC at the wedding. I actually don't think we've we've shared this information. <laughs> I think you, you have. You, have we? You did. I think it was the, it was after we, yeah. It was uh, it was the week after you asked me at Hop In because we were chatting about it and but anyway that's right you can tell them again I'm sure the listeners have forgotten so yeah hundred percent so yeah so I asked Tim at Hop In um, to be the MC and yeah obviously he was very chuffed about it and yeah took it on board and after being at a wedding on Sunday we got a few little inspirations and you know they had a bit of a roaming Brian set up so I think uh, we'll get a roaming Tim. <laughs> Uh, knowing that his his credentials as a podcaster, I reckon he would nail it. And we, yeah, we can't oh, wait mate. to for to one sing teeth in it. taking it on board. I don't like as in I felt pressured to say yes, but of course I want to do it. Um, and then now you're lumping all these expectations. I mean, to to take on this new persona, and now I have to perform like a bloody Brian Taylor experience at your wedding and go around, <laughs> which you've told me about two minutes ago. So no, nah, that's all right. And, uh, it will be exciting, and it is an exciting time. But no, very a little bit nervous, but that's all right. We'll um we'll get there. It's, it'll be an exciting day. It. Uh, it's it's going to be so so laid back. Like it's, you know, just, oh dear, yeah. oh. just just some funny stuff. You know, get get a few people up there. Just even if it's a few embarrassing stories or a few nice stories. But um, nah, <laughs> we'll be having fun, and uh, let's let's hope that. Yeah, well, that'll be the start of the season next year. It'll be fun. But let's let's talk days. Let's. You know, actually, it was something awesome we did a few days ago. Or was it yesterday? Yesterday. Or it was yesterday. Sorry. Yesterday. Yeah, we got to speak to Donnie Hess um, on the Donnie's Disposal uh, podcast, YouTube, um, which was a really good, really good chat. And we got to talk not just about the Ds, but about all things AFL. I know that's, that's you know, a pretty cool thing, knowing that, you know, with all fantasy talk and, you know, having a chance to chat about all things AFL is pretty cool for a change. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. But obviously, you know, it was a bit bit bizarre to not be so biased about the D's, but that was good fun. <laughs> what did you, you take away from it? No, it was awesome. Yeah, as I said, so yeah, friend of the pod, Donnie Hess, who runs his uh, his channel, his YouTube channel um, from over in the States, which again, you know, another one of those fans abroad that's doing a lot of work. Like it was amazing just before you jumped on with us then yesterday morning, just him kind of detailing his way about how he watches pretty much every game every weekend but and and you know you were saying this and you're like yeah i'll try and watch stuff most games as well too but he's having to get up at 1 3 a.m in the morning and and sort of do all this work in order to provide content the amount of content on his page is just amazing like he's he's covering the sandful the waffle vfl aflw he has always got guests on that help him talk about these uh these competitions but he's just his passion for the afl is just through the roof it's it's yeah as you said it was great to chat to him about all things afl it was yeah it was a bit of a task to to make sure that i had my head around uh, all of the games that happened on the weekend you know like luckily for us and the buy was a bit of a talking point or was a big talking point in our pod yesterday but luckily enough there was only six games and not nine so i had that monday sort of to catch up on a little bit of footy 
uh, that I'd missed over the weekend due to you know prior engagements. So no, look, it was great, and huge shout out to Donnie and his work. And make sure if you haven't, check out his uh, his pod. I've shared it on our Instagram stories and Twitter because yeah, again, he just does. You can just tell like he's he's such an ambassador for AFL. Like he's part of the club over there as well. You know, part of his own club there promoting the promoting the sport. So again, it's it's awesome that our amazing game is reaching just people across the other side of the globe. And yeah, no, huge shout out to Donnie. Not a percent. Hey, I was gonna I was gonna chime in just to rotate off the next thing. And there's a lot of a lot of interesting chatter about Clary, our boy. Um, Gee, it's an interesting one. It's well, look, I can see two sides of it. I mean, it looks like a little bit rough around the edges, and <laughs> probably wouldn't surprise me all the rumors. To be fair, but the fact that he's, you know, he obviously hamstring um, looked like he's on the right path, and then got the infected toe, and you know, obviously being off and not being able to run, and obviously he must have gone into it pretty quick and had a bit of a setback. I just, yeah, I hope it's. I hope it's just one more week. I'm sick of not seeing Clary out there just to give our mids a chop out and, you know, make us look a little bit more, you know, a bit prominent, a bit more prominent, a bit more damaging because, you know, his, his contested game is second to none in this league. And I think, you know, at times, you know, we can waver a bit in that area. You know, and that's our, that's our main go. So, yeah, getting him back right and fit and firing is what we should be striving to do. And obviously, we're trying to do everything at the moment, but. Yeah, what's your take on the Clay and Oliver rumors? Well, yeah, it, it was a bit of a fiasco. As you said you sent me sent me the photo, and we don't really want to don't really give too much oxygen to to that particular person that um that came up with that because listening to it was quite interesting listening to Mitch Cleary on on his podcast, the trades, because he gave pretty much a full in depth uh, you know explanation about it, like literally a photoshopped uh, photo. That it was never a tweet that that was real that existed at all. Somebody just grabbed his Twitter handle and his photo and and added this and it never hit Twitter at all. It just did the circles on the socials, which is how you would have come across it. And then yeah, it was really interesting to hear about like Melbourne approaching him, saying like, "What's the go with this?" And he's like, "I don't know what you're talking about." And yeah, so and then I think one of the reporters from potentially another uh, another news channel, whether it was Channel Nine or Channel Ten, had. He grabbed Gary, uh, Clary on the way to his scans and kind of brought it up with him, and and that's where I think he sort of he brought it up and chatted about it, saying like you know it's not phased by the rubies and stuff. Uh, yeah, so pretty poor form in that. It got a lot of wind pretty early, and and yeah, I mean, you know, you wouldn't. It could seem like it was a little bit suspicious in terms of yeah the way that the, his injury information was handled, but. Yeah, I've got the utmost faith in that in the club, and they came out strongly firing, you know, against any rumours. They held the press conference and stuff. So, no, as I said, like it was, um, yeah, concerning that we're going to miss him for another couple of weeks, which means again, from that initial diagnosis, it is it is kind of weird, isn't it? Like, you know, from saying that we're not going to give him a time frame, and then almost coming back, and then now still missing one to two weeks. It's the longest we've been without him. It's the most games he's missed. We're up to five now. So, yeah, we're definitely feeling it on the field as well too. And not to have Hero this week as well too kind of hurts against... He would have a pretty pivotal matchup against a match winner in Toby Green. So there's two you know, really important players to the Ds that we're going to be missing this weekend. But hopefully we've got uh, the next next couple off the rank to, to fill, the, fill the shoes. That's true. Well, it's been, what, since round 10 against Port was when Clary went down and... Yeah, far out. Like it's, it's a weird one considering he missed one game in his career to a, I think a bro- the broken hand is when he missed one game, and, and so now to see him, you know, so I just don't, yeah, I just don't think he, I just don't think he he understood what it is to to rehab the injury, and I just think, yeah, that's obviously going to be key learning, and you know, he's probably the most competitive bloke at the club, both minus Petrarca and Viney, but far out he'd be trying to get back out there, and hopefully he's doing everything he can to get back. Jocko Williams inducted into the Hall of Fame. How good. Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah, huge effort. And how blessed are we to have him? How blessed are we to have him at our club? Not not just, you know, not even a you know, head coach or anything, but you know, the head of skill development and player development, isn't he? So obviously he's, he's doing a fair bit for the club and um, you know, obviously his induction to come will come into the club in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. 
Um, obviously, he's he's left a huge patch or huge mark on our game, and you know we can you know just continuously, well, hopefully we continuously see his services there, and um, yeah, hopefully get another flag under him. That's it. Yeah, you can just tell like the players have so much admiration and faith in him, and yeah, they you know he's great at establishing those relationships, especially with younger players, and and able to sort of fine tune some of those skills, and we've seen some of the impact of that of the hard work he's put in, especially with his kicking, like he's known for that. So that's come off in spades, especially in 2021 and, and then continuing on fourth. But uh, yeah, it's still a little bit less to be desired, but we'll, we'll chat to that about uh, about later on, I'm sure, in terms of our kicking. So <laughs> that's that's about it for news though, isn't it? I don't think there's much else. We'll probably hit it on is. Casey. Let's launch. Yeah. Yeah, good. Casey. yeah, no, Casey were good. I thought, yeah, just getting a few players back and, you know, knocking off Geelong who have been in pretty good touch in the BFL. So yeah. Uh, back in the top six, I believe. So, um, yeah, hopefully get some form back in. And yeah, I know it's a bit hard when, you know, they get four traveling emergencies, which, you know, reshuffle their their game a little bit. But, yeah, let's hope that yeah, we can have more players knocking on the door, cause, well, which we did on the weekend, which was good to see. And um, we'll talk about that a little bit further, I reckon, later on. Back into the game, so um, it's real credit to the boys. Um, I think it was on uh, all of us to step up and... and really lead from the front and I thought we did that all day so we want to play our way just go after the boys Thursday night I know it's it seems like it's it's so far gone now it's it's a distant memory almost in my mind still hurts to think about a little bit because honestly Thursday night that last quarter was as gut-wrenching as it's been this season I think as a D supporter it was Oh, look, the the chance was there, and and the D's when when it was all there for the taking, you had the momentum all in the third quarter. We just, and I know it credit to the boys, but we didn't really talk about the game at all. And shut the bed in the fourth quarter, and uh, Geelong just ran over the top of us, and it was very undemon-like. I think I said this yesterday in the pod with Donny. It was very un-Melbourne-like in the way that we capitulated defensively to allow that kind of string of momentum. To, you know, to literally not even lay a tackle. I think it was one tackle in 13 minutes uh, at one stage in that last quarter. Yeah, I'd like to think that we're such a strong fourth quarter team and have been all season that we're at least going to match them. You know, you, you never say die with them. Geelong, they're, you know, Geelong and Geelong, you know what they're going to be, stars or no stars that are in there. But yeah, frustrating, frustrating. But well, let's try and take some positives out of it. My, my number one that I've got there was just Jack Viney. I posted pretty much the day after, I think on the Friday. It's been a huge month of footy for Vin, and I think it's quietly going under the radar, and he was inspirational. Like his third quarter alone was great, but, mate, no one could tackle him. He was shrugging everything. Like, wet weather footy, he's just an absolute beast. We know that his best football is a bit of a, 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 a bit of a X factor for us, like when he's really flying and stepped stepped up in Clary's absence, obviously. But, yeah, I just love the way that he's played. And, and, and again, like even in some disappointing results, he still performed really well and tried to do everything that he could to get the team over the line. 100%. I think after hurting his shoulder, we thought we feared the worst, to be fair, and for him to guts it out and, you know, push on and have the game he did was, yeah, it was awesome to see. You know, hopefully we, we can get that, that, that midfield back up and running and then, Hopefully we do see Viney's form continue when Clary comes back. You know, it'd be really good to see. Um, contested ball and clearance, we won um, and didn't win the game. Which is when usually when we do win these key key areas, we get get the job done. Which is bizarre. Which I think we can we can clearly see where we did go wrong. It's just a matter of getting it right. Um, but obviously winning at the call face and also. Um, What's called and and time time inside our forward half is obviously going to get wins in particular in the wet with you know a bit of a yardage game which mind you I feel like Geelong smashed us in the last quarter and just did those little bits and pieces but I'm sure we can go through that stage a little bit more. Um, I thought Rivers was amazing again and Donny Hess even had him in his team of the week. I think as as we've labelled pretty much every week, Trent Rivers is in there at the moment and I just think he's probably the the next man to take the the Hop in, D-Life will display player of the year award. I reckon he's one that's going to be pushing pretty hard in our rankings. And um, I'm not sure about you, but um, yeah, he's, his rise this year has been incredible to watch. 
it's been a great story and probably something that you know amongst demon fans will be vastly talked about a lot but yeah on the outside potentially not noticed at all and i think if you look at his numbers and i'm sure as you mentioned i'm sure he's going to come up in the votes you look at his numbers and what he's doing for the time that he's spending on the ground is truly impressive and it's not just defensively and we know that he's been you know the being actually speak you know the magnet's been thrown around a little bit he's been spending time in the middle he's been pushing forward a little bit to try and create a little bit of movement inside 50 as well too so again he's having impact all over the ground and he's got such great mentors everywhere within that club as well to just to soak up all that knowledge. So we are, we're seeing huge growth from him and super exciting. We just want to see him. He's still such a young player and has got a lot of football in front of him. And, you know, we know that he's just, you know, not long re-signed for us for, for a considerable time. So exciting youngster for him. And again, off our back line, like I thought Christian Salem again, who's probably coming off, you know, his two best weeks of footy as well. He's just really finding his feet. I think after missing half of the season and, and and you forget at times what peak Salo is like and at time you know he's just so clean and there's there was points on Thursday night where we really needed a clean kick inside 50 and he would be perfect to be having those bit more opportunity further up to be the one to deliver it rather than rather than a Lockie Hunter or rather than an Alex Neil Bullen or, or Spargo uh, dare I say it so I think ball use has to be a big focus coming into this weekend because it's something that's severely lacked over the last month about having smart ball users in there. And that might be even having a bit of a look into, you know, bringing in, well, hopefully we want to see Bowser come back in, but it might even be bringing in like a Bailey Laurie as well too or somebody else that just can, you know, can hit a target because it's something that's clearly lacking. But Sailor was, yeah, getting back to my main point, Sailor Sailor was huge. I mean, I'll chat about this in one week at a time, but just quickly, I think Bowie could almost be a Spargo role. You know, Spargo's been pretty pretty well down, I think, ever since his concussion apart from that Essendon game. So, yeah, he could be one that can fill the void there. I think even Jack Melsham, I mean, I mean, obviously, we'll, we shouldn't be talking about this now, but Jake Melsham's <laughs> another one that floats around. Um, Ed Langdon, I thought, was back to decent form. I think uh, getting his hands on a little bit more um, you know, and showcasing a little bit more of that run and drive on that wing was good to see. Um, what do you think of his game, mate? Yeah, no, no, I thought I thought he was very solid up on the wing there. Uh, and I also thought, you know, track as well. He battled really hard. He had a tough task ahead of him on Thursday night. All the attention was him. You know, a lot of work put into him from Blitz, from O'Connor at times, um, Tom Atkins at times as well too. And it was great to see that you know, Gus and Vin were doing as much as they could to get the block on at stoppages to make sure they'd free him up a little bit. So I thought he was slow at the first half, like he had a lot of bodies to contend with, but he certainly worked his way probably more so into the game into the second half and, and finished out the game strong. So look, as much as they threw probably a lot at him, he was still able to sort of break out of that and still have a, you know, a monster game statistically. You know, not necessarily a massively impactful game in terms of the scoreboard stuff, but he's still, you know, without his partner in crime there, Clary, you know, Vin and Gus did everything they could to try and free him up. But yeah, still massive effort from from Petrarca as well. And, and no doubt probably would will be getting a Brownlow vote from that game as well. Yeah, he's been massive. I think just <clears throat> obviously the biggest thing is lacking out of his game is, yeah, he's, he's about ability to hit forwards up in the full line, you know, and, and just hacking it forward, which does work when the, the structures are on song, but, you know, teams are pretty well onto us. So, yeah, hopefully that does change around. But, yeah, I mean, Petrarca has been, yeah, probably the top three players of the competition this year. And I think with Clary out, he's he's really stood up. And, you know, obviously he's had Viney as a bit of a hand there and Sparrow and Gus Brayshaw. I think he's been okay. I think, you know, getting his hands on it. And it's probably another one that just is lacking the polish going forward. But I'm sure that will change. That's it. The only other thing I wanted to touch on quickly was we labelled a couple of stats, team stats earlier before. Tackles inside 50 I thought was pretty impressive bar the last quarter. You think about the game in its entirety, like we were clearly on top for three quarters. Like it was a tight, gritty game. Like it was wet, slippery pill. Like it wasn't pretty to watch. It was tightly contested. But Melbourne was still able to sort of get, yeah, clearly be on top in, in some of those 
areas and we just unfortunately weren't able to capitalize on you know all the hard work that we were doing i thought that was that was massive so clocking out 19 tackles inside 50 we only averaged 13 for the season so to be well above that and majority of that happening within the three quarters i thought was really promising it's just unfortunate that we weren't able to uh we weren't able to yeah really get some reward on the scoreboard for that absolutely and sorry do want to add one more thing into credit to the boys, and that's to be Joel Smith's first half. I thought Joel Smith had his best game of his career in that first half. Obviously, went away in the second half, but does that pose a question as to you know are we getting closer to a forward mix we want to see, or a forward mix which Goody's going to like to see, which is yeah going to be the talking point for for forever really with it with us obviously with the Gaudy combination and you know what is the best mix you got. Ben Brown, which I keep going back to this, but VFL form was good on the weekend. So you think, you know, where is that going to leave Joel Smith in the pecking order? It's, yeah, it's going to be interesting come selection time and interesting for the next, what, nine games of the season. Pretty, I'm pretty pissed. I'm pretty pissed off still. Um, it's not good enough. That's very unlike the way we've been playing and something that we'll obviously review and get better at. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not good enough today. Um, this team, this club's got to start winning games. Oh dear. Well, fourth quarter. It's, it spells it all, doesn't it? As I said, like, it was hard to watch unfolding in such a... You know, everything that was happening was such a short amount of time. It was just one mm. of those momentum bursts that you just couldn't believe. You know, another one after another one after another one after, you know, fourth half turnover... And then Geelong just taking it to the races and Gary Rowan killing us. It hurt. It hurt. And as you mentioned, you look at the stats, everything spells D win, D's win. But six goals for nine inside 50s in that last quarter is absolutely fucked. It is ridiculous. Like the efficiency that they could do that every single time, almost, that they went inside 50 within that span, they're kicking a goal. But they're running into open goals because, you know, the Ds defensively were just cooked because because of the way we're turning the ball over. So, no, it was gut-wrenching, as I mentioned before. I'd nearly turned it off at the 10-minute mark because I knew it was over. Uh, the, the, you look at the margin, 15 points, it probably doesn't seem like that. It felt like a lot more after that fourth quarter, didn't it? It was, uh, it, was it was hard to watch. I had a nightmare traveling watching the second half. I mean, I left footy, I think it was the start of the third. <clears throat> so I was listening to the third on my, in the car. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going all right. And then as I got home, pretty much to full start. And I was doing the bins and stuff. And I swear my bloody head off. Oh, I was getting frustrated. It's, ugh. it was like you've said multiple times, it was un, undelike. You know, it was a, comp- a capitulation as you, as you label there. It was, Something we're not used to, in particularly in the last, you know, last few years, and um, I'm sure another key learning again. And you know, we keep going back to it's probably a similar sort of thought process to our coaches. You know, we, we'll learn from this, I guess, and you know, try not to let it happen again. A bit, I guess, because we're still well placed. You know, sitting sitting fourth, nine and five. It's not doomsday losing to Geelong. I mean, I'm sick of bloody playing in Geelong. I mean, we've got. We've played the most games there since um, it's become the AFL, which I don't know why. Like, why Why else? We've got a pretty shitty track record there. But, <laughs> um, yeah, look, I don't know. I mean, a few things happened. I think selection-wise, I think it was hard. It was hard watching the Petty instead of Tomlinson selection choice. Like, Tomlinson probably played one of the better games of his probably career. If not, well, obviously Probably the best, best Melbourne game I've seen. <laughs> One of them, yeah. And gets dropped. Mind you, had a really good game in the VFL, so his his form in the VFL is amazing. Um, I feel really sorry for him, to be fair, and I, like wouldn't be surprised if he does walk at the end of the season, much like James Jordan. I think they're two. You know, at times this year they've, they've shown some great form and great. You know, they they possess great you know assets to our team, and I mean, look, Petty obviously. A part of the green final side and him at a fully fit petty is amazing um to 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 allow lever and may to do what they want but far out what what's better is it him forward or him back is it a, a, a notion to say or well, is this the way we go with does it go joel smith out 
Petty forward, Tomlinson back in, or is it a Bear Brown shake up? Who knows? But yeah, I think that was a bit of a blue from uh, from the D's uh, selection committee. It's just interesting to think that Goody's been preaching for the amount of time that he's put Petty forward. He's been so adamant that he's been going to keep him forward. Yeah, nice one, mate. <laughs> you got a drinking problem, obviously. <laughs> for those who didn't see, he's just spilt half of his water all over his face. But like, I understand probably the hesitance to play Tomlinson one-on-one against one of the best forwards in the competition in Jeremy Cameron. I think, yeah, it's gone a bit of a panic button there where you've got a premiership defender like Harrison Petty who's been playing really good footy, especially the last couple of games that he played before he got injured up forward and arguably his game that he got injured was had his best half as a forward and looked the most dangerous to be so, you know, putting the foot down saying, no, nah, he's playing forward, sticking with it. Yeah, no worries, all right? If, you, if that's your plan, stick to your guns, no dramas. But then when the news broke last week early that Tomo was going to be dropped for Petty, you sort of like, oh, mm, yeah, that's pretty stiff for Tomlinson. But as you mentioned, a fully fit pet up back, yeah, no dramas. You, you, you take him to take on Jeremy Cameron, allow Lever and May to do their thing. No worries, that's fine. However, first game back after whatever it's been, what, six weeks out of the game, four to six weeks, whatever he's missed, Clearly underdone. And then when Cameron gets knocked out in the first five, six minutes of the game, leaving him back kind of was a little bit bemusing, don't you think? Like, wouldn't you then just be like, right, go go forward. Like, just go. Now that that matchup is non-existent, it's not there. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I was, it was a little bit perplexed about that. And, and like, obviously hindsight's always going to be a wonderful thing when you're looking at these sort of decisions. But if you're going to play people per form, like Tomo arguably should have still been in that. And if anything, Petty should have come in and potentially taken Joel Smith's, you know, position up forward, you know, regardless of Smithy's uh, first half, mate, if that's where they were going to go. I don't know. It just seems like he's so adamant in his ways about this is what we're going to do. This is how we're doing it. This is what's happening all the season. And then all of a sudden, bang. And it, yeah, it backfired. It backfired badly on us, and yeah, you would go back and think, hmm, was that the right decision? Probably not. So, did it cost us the game? No, but it it certainly contributed to a number of factors on the on the on the night that didn't really help us. Yeah, I think Petty was he just looked slow. He had he looked like he was just a giraffe. He couldn't turn. He was. Ugh. It was, a bit, it was a bit gross considering the conditions. I think just, yeah, to be fair, I don't know why I would sub out James Jordan. I'd, I would have subbed out Petty, to be fair. That yeah. that probably is another point. move. That's another move where we think, mm, you know, that, that shake-up of positional changes could have changed the game and Petty didn't offer much for the game. So, yeah, who knows? Um, which probably leads us into thinking, you know, is Petty going to go forward? Is he going to going to help fix our forward 50 connection because uh, that was crap uh <laughs> it's actually do, do you know what it's a it's a consistent issue when we go down to Geelong but then also our goal kicking and our ability to hit the scoreboard and kick more than 10 goals in the last four or five weeks is just been not there I think what's it 813 against Carlton 818 against Collingwood and eight. 8.15 against Geelong. It's not going to win many many games of footy, is it? Not at all. Not at all. It was one of the, mo- one of the more frustrating things. The misses for goals is, is something, but the delivery inside 50 is again. And, and yeah, the communication and cohesion between our mids and our forwards, it clearly has to be worked on. And it's, you know, I talked about this yesterday. I probably talked about last week or whatever it was, but... Again, we've been hearing the same message from Goody about, yep, we're still working on the right mix. We're still trying to find the right combination. But now we're heading into round 16. Like, this is the business end of the of the season where we need to be solidified with our best lineup, having a good run of six or seven games with your set forward line heading into September. And right now, we're an absolute shell of an offensive unit. We know what we can do on defense. We know what we're doing in contested game. But... When you're kicking to Cozzy Pickett, playing on Mark Blitzarves on his head consistently, when your forwards aren't leading into space 
or when you're just kicking directly into Tom Stewart. Like, it, it was, yeah, incredibly frustrating. And I know, like, the ground dimensions, no, this doesn't excuse the kicking. Like, the fact that it's a short, no, you know, like, Geelong obviously play that game. And Tom Stewart really took over that game at, at times in terms of his intercepts. And I think knowing, you know, knowing the angles and stuff a little bit as, as well. But, again, we're just not giving our forwards a good enough chance to, to make some space into the ball when we're just trying to either bomb it in on their heads again. We probably didn't see Max or Grundy down there too much either on Thursday night, potentially. Like, that's probably another point we should be putting in, talking about those two and about where they sit. As you said, Smith looked good first half. Uh, you know, Fritter bobbed up for a couple of goals, but again... It's it's not looking it's not looking good and you're not going to win a final you're not going to win a final kicking eight goals and fifteen behinds consistently like it's going to let you down and that comes down to the quality of shots and the quality of shots that we're taking aren't good I know I said to you last week I wasn't worried about the goal kicking but there's um there's an element of the quality of shots there that's going to be huge yeah hundred percent sorry I'd say I'm going to put you on the spot in a minute but what is the best thing for our two big ruckmen like it's you've got two of the premier ruckmen in the competition and it's all this talk about you know geelong should go after Brody grundy they should you know trade heavy for him yeah we'll, well, we'll right help now. melbourne but then again as in like yeah oh, well, obviously he can't do it mid-season but uh, that, yeah that's just a lot of chatter about you know geelong should target grundy but anyway <laughs> it's it's bloody hard seeing the right combination here because, well, for one, Gorn's a better forward, but then Gorn's a marginally better ruckman. But then Grundy just looks horrible up forward. Um, he plays his best game when he's floating into the forward line, much like, you know, obviously Gorn does. But far out, you can't leave Max Gorn off the ground for too long. It's going to bloody... No, I mean, he's his best ruck competition up and running. I mean, obviously, Team English is going really well, and Wits is probably the best tap ruckman. But far out, like we're it's it's hard seeing Max Gorn get utilized in this way. It's really hard to watch. But then having such assets, but what the hell is the best connection? I just don't know. No. It'll be interesting to hear your take it's... on the spot take. Oh, look, it's I don't think it's as simple as. Look, we're only well, fifteen games in. They've only played what ten games together, eleven games together, given the four or five weeks that Max missed. My my concern is looking at Max and like even Thursday night, he took one mark for the game. Now the Max that we know from previous years is his ability to be able to sort of float back, take that intercept mark. Like that game has gone away from him a little bit. Now whether that's being because he's playing more time forward. Yeah, I think you're right in terms like he needs to probably play forward a bit more in order to just be that strong target up there because right now, like Rue's been, Rue's been great, but again, he's still you know, a second-year player. Like he's, he's somebody that's still finding his craft. I love the effort that he's giving him. I'd still, I'd still put games into him, I'm, absolutely. But I think if you've got Max in there, probably if you're, you're playing him in there 60-40 and having Grundy just predominantly buried around the ground, it's, yeah... I think that could potentially try and straighten us up. Think back to what Ben Brown did to us in 2021, like having a solid forward who's in there. Look, we know Max can be wayward with his kicking, but he at least provides that target, which is probably what we're still missing. And it comes back to that four line mix. But look, Max has been down. He's not in the All-Australian contention this year, which is the first in six, seven years. Injury plays a role in that. But I just think also, yeah, they're still finding how they're going to operate together. I'm not overly concerned about ditching like the experiment. You know, I don't believe in that you can drop one of them or, or, or just play one solely. They're still working out the kinks and I, I still think it'll work, but they just need to settle on the balance. And, and I think that balance is Max playing more in there because we know that probably Granny's tap work at times this year has been better because for opposition players in the you know in the contest and in the and in the stoppages are roaming to max's taps they almost get the read of him so much more than what our players do 
Grundy a couple of times has just been able to grab it out of the middle and just get his own get his own ball. And it's probably something that Max does try to do every now and then. But yeah, I don't know. I know I've rambled on a little bit there, but stick Max forward a little bit more. Give us a solid target up there. Aim for him. You know, 50% of the time that you're going inside 50, and then hopefully that tries creates a bit more space for our other forwards. So and let Brody do his thing inside the middle. Yeah, it's good. Do you know what? It, next game on the Melbourne, I'm just literally watching those two. It's just, it's just something I want to see a positive outcome for it because I don't know. I I think the marks for Max going to gone down because obviously teams are going to try and kick away from him because of his intercept game. So you think that's got to have something to play around it, um, you know? But you know, I've seen multiple times this year where both of them are in the same mark. So you think as to you know where's the the right mix, right balance? But who knows? I will suck still... and see. We'll keep you know just keep keep on keeping on, and we'll yeah, yeah we'll hopefully see a positive outcome. He's still averaging but four anyway, and a half. He's still him. averaging four and a half marks a game for the year. So that's still in the elite category. He's averaging 2.3 contested marks per game, but it's like you're going from having six back in round six. Um, his last big outing he had was like, looks like five in, in round 11. And then, yeah, like he's below the average line here. I'm just looking at the stats now. Um, you know, one contested mark. Uh, I think that wouldn't have been last round because I don't think he had one one mark there. So... Yeah, it'd be interesting to look at that compared to previous years and just see how that impact there is. Potentially, his usage has certainly gone down. Uh, but again, like, yeah, that game-saving intercept mark or that, you know, hold your breath for a minute and then Max Gorn flies in from the side and, and, and takes that mark. We've missed that, I think, this year. And that's probably been one of his one of his weapons that, we, that we're so used to over the last few years that we're not seeing so much. Yeah, correct. What's it all? What's he kick? Three, five, six, seven goals for the year in about what? About 10, 11 games. So, yeah. Yeah. If we can get more value there, I think we, we play our best footy when he is kicking multiple goals and having multiple chances to kick goals. Um, another, probably last thing, I mean, I don't know if you've got anything else to talk, talk, talk about, but buddy, the Ronald McDonald fucking sauce bottle, Gary Rowan, I, I genuinely hate him. I, I can't stand the bloke and watching him dominate us was so, so upsetting to watch. Like, for one, I mean, being the super coach nuffy I am and fantasy nuffy I am, one, he knocks out Jeremy Cameron, who's one in my side, gave me minus three points, <laughs> and he goes on to destroy us. I'd uh, uh, just makes me hate Geelong even more. <laughs> I got nothing to say to that. I don't, I got nothing against him. It's um, poor man's gone through a rough trot, so no, nah, it's uh, yeah, it's a bit rough. Uh, one last thing I do want to bring up, and this goes back to our goal kicking. So this is a stat from friend of the pod, Justin Giuliano, uh, Giuliano, sorry, I get that right. Who, yeah, is great at diving deep into some analytical stuff, and was quite high, heavy up on at the start of the season about Melbourne's efficiency going inside fifty and our scoring and how you know, we were taking those chances. We were we were scoring quite easily and very accurately, you know, most accurate uh, percentage in the league. This is a bit of, uh, yeah, coming down to earth. Have a listen to this. So looking at points scored per inside 50, so here's the stat. So every time we go inside 50, how many points are you getting from that from that stat? D's are eighth overall this season. So as of the end of round 15, these are eighth overall with 1.61 points per inside 50. Over the last four games, <laughs> we are 17th. And only just marginally better than the Eagles. So over the last four games, we are averaging 1.13 points per inside 50 as the Eagles are <laughs> running 1.11. So it gives you a pretty of a clear indication about our fall from grace a little bit when it comes to right. scoring. Like we saw what happened to the Eagles on on a Saturday afternoon or we heard about it or whatever, whatever you want to do. But... Yeah, that's pretty damning in terms of that's more than coming down to earth. That's coming down to earth and then continuing to barrel through the um, through the layers of the earth and, and continue that's, on down to the core. So that's, yeah, it's hey, worrying. That's, that's 2019 Melbourne all over again. Just like constantly just 
bombing it forward and just not having any cohesion at all. Like, I mean, I, I hate to put, I mean, you wouldn't think that Clary's a part of, I mean, Clary would definitely shore that up a little bit, but, you know, your Spargo's, who we think, well, is one of the better kicks inside 50. And I think, what was his, like, retention rate? It was, like, 49%, which was out of this world. I remember, yeah, I remember looking at that, but it would be completely opposite to that. Uh, far out. That's that's a damning stat, and that's really isn't concerning, isn't it? It's, yeah. So, no, where yeah. do we go from here? Is is it Ben yeah. Brown? Is it a ben, is it Benny Brown time? Is it Clock Tower? Is it Clock Tower time? Well, we'll save is that it... conversation for later on, are we? We will, mate. Let's are we? It. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to don't want to steal your thunder on that. Well, Tim, let's hop to it. It's the Hop End Delightful Display Player of the Year Award, which is adjudicated by us based on our thoughts into the game and what impact they had. Um, my first vote, oh, sorry, this was for the game against, obviously, against Geelong. Fuck the cats. Um, my one vote goes to, uh, one vote. Uh, one vote goes to Christian Salem. I thought he's back to his awesome best and um, being a general across there and um, shoring us up and, been able to hit those targets. So, yeah, good on you, Salo. Back to your best. He was very good and a bit stiff to miss out on votes for me. I gave my one vote to Trent Rivers. Again, like there was huge game by him, 12 intercepts, two contested marks, six, uh, sorry, three inside 50s and six score involvements to go along with uh, the 25 touches. I think I've got that right. I'm sure you'll correct me if I haven't. Uh, but as I mentioned before, I think the biggest uh, one of the most impressive things from that is that he's playing 75% time on ground. So, like, he's amassing, you know, full game numbers whilst only playing three quarters of the game. So, again, just seeing the rise of this young man, and I'm sure he's going to feature either next or in the three votes for you. Where where have you got him? Well, I reckon there's someone that's pretty stiff this week. <laughs> He'll love it. Uh, my two votes go to Petrarca. I think just the work he's doing. Um, giving us a chance to win games and just, yeah, his brute force is amazing to see. Mine, uh, and also to add that check side goal was awesome at the end. Um, yeah. Could have easily kicked multiple goals as well. Definitely, I got him here as well too. 33 touches, 10 clearances is huge. Uh, 600 metres gained. A couple of big stats there. Again, like doing doing the, you know, a body of work inside 50 and uh, yeah, six tackles as well, which is nothing to... Nothing to sneeze at. So no, just again, like working through all the all the bodies that he had to contend with from from Geelong, and and yeah, really try and find himself a little bit of space to work and move because yeah, the cat certainly made him earn every possession. Hundred percent, and yeah, well, you're gonna love it. You're gonna find this very interesting. But yeah, I've got a as I've said it in front of the footy club on Thursday night watching the game and. I got a serious man crush on Trent Rivers. I tell you what, the three votes, mate. He's He's blown me away this year. Um, just, yeah, just been... Oh, hello. <laughs> That's a good, a good angle. <laughs> I've just got to get down to the next screen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, Trent Rivers, just his, his offensive game's gone to another level. To add with his defensive desperation, I just yeah, I just love him what I'm seeing. And, um, yeah, who knows what the future holds for him. I, I, it'd be interesting to see if he progresses into a midfielder or if he stays as a... A dashing half back, or you know, who knows what's going to happen, but um, yeah, just loving what he's doing, and yeah, kudo. I'll sorry for Vin not getting any votes this week, but um, That's his rough. efficiency was pretty, pretty poor. Come to come to think of it, but um, yeah, I it's yeah, it's a hard one, but yeah, it's really <laughs> mate. I can't, I can't stop thinking about That's, it. To be fair. I'm shocked thinking about rivers, no, I'm, no, I'm no, mesmerized. Good-looking man. Uh, yeah, no, look, I had to give Viney the three votes. I think just from the eye test for me, Thursday night, again, just watching him do everything that he could, trying to will this team over the line, especially in that third quarter. You know, leading the front with the tackles, he had eight tackles, six clearances and 25 touches. But I think it was just stepping up in the big moments as well. So just the shrugging of the tackles. Geelong couldn't couldn't get him down. And yeah, you love what he's doing and, yeah, when when we need somebody like this to stand up, he's he's always the man to uh, to do it as, as our vice skip. So no, 
I think well deserved had three votes there and, and zero votes from you. So a big, uh, big fuck you from Jack, I'd say. <laughs> uh, we're, we're pleased with where we sit. We understand there's going to be some hype around how we're playing, but we also want to just take it, you know, one week at a time. And, and coaches say that a lot, and, and people, and it's just the reality. You can't look too far ahead. Well, Tim, we're here for another week. We need to be. We need something good to happen with this forward to mid to forward connection, and that will happen on Sunday afternoon up against the Giants in Darwin, back at uh, TIO start. It uh, will happen. It It will happen. happen. (laughs) I'm I'm telling you because we're we're up against. To be fair, side that's a little bit up and down the Giants, and this is a danger game big time. And it's you know there's a few players that love playing against us, um, which we'll touch on very very soon. But yeah, I mean the Giants. Well, both teams come off the bye, so we're we're in with a chance. Um, so that <laughs> whole bike situation is out the window for this one, which is good. Um, talking about the job, I mean, their last game was up against Freo, and they dismantled them. I mean, obviously that was you know in Sydney and things and and whatnot, but it's the uh, Jesse Hogan Cup, the Toby Green, uh, Toby Green Cup, like what is Toby it? Bedford I don't know. Cup, the Toby Bedford Cup. It could have been the Tom Green Cup. We bid on him, so it could have been the Tom Green Cup. So yeah, bit of everything. Yeah. It's there's a lot riding on this. To be fair, the, James the McDonald Cup. Oh shit! Uh, this this game has a lot riding on it, Tim. And I think if Giants lose this one, you can probably give them curtains for the season. I think I believe they're six and eight. Um, so they're they're right around the mark. You know, probably one game out of the eight. We we're just hanging on for dear life in the top four. It's, you know, there's a lot that's riding on this game. I think we lose this game. We're back in the pecking order with a few other teams behind us. You know, there's a few, you know, snap at our heels. So, don't you game. And, mate, who gets a job on Toby Green? Because, mate, this guy absolutely tears us to shreds. Well, you've got to think of somebody that's got, that's got the physical strength to match it with him because he's... You know, he's so crafty down forward there, but he's he's so solid and very strong. Um, he can do it at ground level. He can do it a bit in the air as well too. So, look, he's got to be somebody that's not going to get sucked in. As Yeah, it hurts that Hebo would have been the one to, to get the job on him and you you would have, you know, you'd have Hebo fight for your life because he's just, you know, what he's what he's capable of and, and what he's still doing at, at, uh, at his ripe young age of 32. So, yeah, it's it's a big out for him. Look, I don't know. Do you, do you go to your man in terms of uh, Trent Rivers, or a bit too bit too light on there? Maisie's probably going to be playing on Riccardi, I'd say, or or Hogan potentially if Hogan's That'd coming back in. It'll be Hogs. So, but I mean, has May lined up with Toby in the past? I've got a feeling he has. I reckon this could be Jake Lever's time. Oddly enough, I mean, his gangly hands, I mean, he'll probably slip high a fair bit. It's, fuck. Well, Petty's, otherwise, if Petty's staying back, like, that's it's his role then? No. <laughs> Just no. no. I'm not, I'm not allowing that, Tim. I'm, I'm, no. Oh, I'll make that. That makes me feel sick. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've, I've crucified you for that. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> oh, I couldn't give a fuck. What about, um, <laughs> where about, what about Juddy McVeigh? It's, it's probably the strength battle. I think the speed and ability to stay low on him, he would match him. But my my problem is, yeah, it's the strengths in one-on-one where Toby can just, yeah, manipulate a smaller more smaller body um, and just fall into his chest somehow. He, yeah, he poses a big threat, Toby Green. And, yeah, he's got a bloody good record against us. And, oh. It'd be it'd be awesome to see with see us stop him. It'd be interesting if we go, yeah, a real direct matchup or we do a team defense style on him. I think obviously they look a lot for him. Um, in particular with probably their prime midfielder back to Josh Kelly, I think adds a huge layer to their team for this game as well. Um far out. It, this this has just danger written all over it, Tim. I, I yeah, I'm not confident here this week, believe it or not. I just want to see us get the job done, but I just, yeah, I'm fearing the Toby Green element is going to be something that we just don't have a matchup for. Unless Maisie yeah, just says, look, I'm doing something out of the blue and just saying I'm taking him out. Yeah, and, and look, I could see him doing that as well too. Uh, 
you know, we've got the tall pillars that could potentially just, just go with a Hogan, go with a Riccardi, depending on what their mix is, whoever comes in and out um, from their team selection. So, I yeah, I, look, I, I could definitely be comfortable with that and knowing that, like, Green's not a quick player, so you don't have to be worried a little bit about, like, we saw Maisie get matched a couple of times on Thursday night in a foot race with Gary Rowan. Like, we're not going to have that potentially with a Green versus May. So, look, body on body and, and Maisie being so intelligent and, and experienced to know when to run off him, I'd almost back him in to do it. I think he would be putting his hand up for it as well too. So, I don't think I'd want to see Jake Lever on there. I, again, like, I think... You know, again, you've got to let him do his roaming, Brian, do his uh, intercept mark, you know, finding the space and, and just knowing when to come off his man and, and help out overhead. So, yeah, look, it, it is a big thing. But, hell, if you shut down everybody else, making sure Bedford doesn't get off the chain, uh, you know, lo- looking at those mids that aren't kicking goals, they've got a few mids. Like, I mean, Josh Kelly, as you mentioned, like he had three goals last game against Frio and 30-odds. So, making sure that we're trying to squash any other opportunities for goals and, and just, yeah, if Toby Green has to kick 10, um, then so be it. But if, if Maisie's matching up on him, then you think that'd be a fat chance. So, yeah, obviously our ideal matchup isn't there, but I'm sure they'll be able to plug plug the gap with somebody, whether it's team directive or, or with a one-on-one. So, uh, yeah, what else? What else we got to watch, mate? Anything in particular? Yeah, I like... look, uh, I think this is a player that probably does need to be spoken about. That's Kieran Briggs. I think he's he's probably been in the inform ruckman in the competition. Just just has a red hot crack. To be fair, you know, he follows up at ground level. He lays big hits, kind of like Shane Mumford, very similar to you know the the elk of Shane Mumford. I think Shane Mumford's taken him under the wing, um, which you know you can see with the gameplay. But you know, we've got a chance to. To say who to show him who's boss, you know, obviously we've got the two premier ruckmen in the competition. You think we should get some ascendancy there, and yeah, got to get some some ball going forward. Um, obviously the well, there's there's a lot of lot of chance for the Giants to get a lot of key pillars back. I mean, with obviously with Hogan, you know, in line to play up coming up up against us for the fourth time in his career. Um, we're doing some some digging before he's played one game against us in Giants colours, two and three oh had. Absolute dismal days in the Freo jersey, but um, oh, we only had the six and one go against us last year. So hopefully that trend continues. I think Nick Haynes coming back as an interceptor can pose a bit of a threat. And I think with him in Himmelberg, even Sam Taylor, who's going to give um, Van Royen a bit of a, I wouldn't say a reality check, but he's going to make him earn every touch. I think Sam Taylor's probably one of the, he's probably close to all Australian to be fair. If, if he didn't get injured, he probably would have been pushing pretty hard. You know, with the likes of Harris Andrews, etc. Phil Davis as well in line, which is bloody bizarre that he's still in the AFL chatting off air before. And I just don't think I just don't know how he keeps coming back with all these injuries. Um and need to double check with Whitfield to see if he's back from suspension as well. I mean, he played so. yeah, he played last game, so I don't know if he's if he was suspended in the free A game, he wouldn't be playing because they had the bye last week. So There you go. There you there. go. So yeah, bit 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 happening from the Giants selection front and I think, yeah, well, obviously we've got a decision to make, but to me, obviously, you know, with Hibbo going out with, is it a lung injury or kidneys? Sorry, liver, kidney, liver, yeah, kidney, sorry. Um, that injury, obviously, yeah, he's got to get that right. Um, because he obviously locked down, locks down, um, those forwards that are, you know, able to match in the air and also at ground level as opposed to Juddy doing, you know, more of the ground level stuff. So, yeah, it poses an interesting one. As I said with Toby Green, I mean, yeah, hopefully we keep him under wraps. And I think Bowie is probably the logical one for, for Hibbo. I don't think bearing us, shaking things up, and like we like what we said and you know, what we've touched on very briefly is, you know, what, what is our best forward mix? Does, does Joel Smith go out with, you know, he had a dominant first half and a lean second half. Ben Brown played well on the twos. Malcolm's been playing well on the twos. Even Josh Shackey has been playing well on the twos. So... It, it's an interesting one to think about, but you know what? I think Malcolm actually would give us a bit of X factor, but he's shown that he's been a bit off the pace, but he's probably a sub candidate. I think potentially with unknown what's happening with James Jordan, I think he's probably the most unlucky bloke that's played in our side for the last three years, obviously played most of the year in 2021 to be the, the sub and the granny. I just, yeah, I don't know where we're going to lean to, but I think that's yeah probably the, the one change we're looking at. I hope it's not. 
I hope it's not because something in the forward line needs to change. And you you touched on Jake Melksham, and, and it kind of takes me back to this around about this time last year. And you remember when he comes in for a crucial amount of probably three or four games, including the Carbon game, where his efforts uh, have to be heralded in terms of us winning important games. Like you're looking at the Carlton game, like his heroics there, as much as Cozzy kicked the match winner, it was him that kicked the goal before that to sort of get us within striking distance. He had a terrific run of games, and I love what you said, like he does have that X factor. Mate, he's kicked 15 goals in the last six games for Casey with a run of 5, 2, 3, 2, 1, and 4. Structurally, he can... He's like when he's off, he's completely off. Like he's non-existent, and I, I, un, absolutely understand that. I just think that his experience and his ability to sort of know when to stand up in sort of bigger moments, and he has in the past, could be somebody. I think maybe for the sub, maybe not a starting spot potentially, but maybe for the sub, is probably given us a little bit more than Spargo's given us, or James Jordan has given us in the last two weeks they shouldn't be afraid to roll the dice with him at least as the sub. But then I think there needs to be another change in the forward line. And I, as much as, much as Smithy gave a red-hot go, I don't know whether he's the answer at full forward complementing Brew. I think he might have to try and bring in a Ben Brown, bring in, like, I don't know, it's something, something has to change for that. Or or they're playing max 70% forward. They have to, they have to do something. Well, it's going to be interesting whatever happens because we need to see some change and some score on that scoreboard because it's, yeah, it, it can't last forever and it's not going to last forever. Um, you know, we're fortunate enough against Collingwood, best side in it, to kick 8-8 eight, eight, eight and, and get the win. Um, but it's not going to it's not going to cut it every week. Um, what's your take on James Harps? It's where, I mean, you've heard firsthand, you've seen it on here, you've seen it in person. Where does this guy's career lie at the moment? Is he on the crossroads? Like, what What are we actually going to... Are we going to get anything out of James Harms? Is there... Oh, he's playing... plays okay footy in the twos, you think? Is he now best 22 or even 23? I don't know. It's hard. Without seeing him in the last few weeks, it's, it's hard to get a read on, isn't it? Like, well, when did he play? Two weeks ago? Got dropped for King's birthday. Like, he wasn't playing King's birthday. I don't think you're going to get much more out of him. I think, honestly, his best chance probably lies at another club. Unfortunately, as, as much as that hurts to say, but I think that, you know, with him potentially, I think we've tried all the options. I don't think Melbourne's been entirely fair to him in terms of being consistent with his, his role within the side. It's constantly changing. It would be hard to try and gain any sort of consistency or some cohesion within the side when you're when you're literally just plugging gaps a little bit like what Brayshaw has done, but he's had to handle it better. I think for probably for the best for both parties, he, you're probably looking at him to part ways at the end of the season, asking him, hey, mate, like maybe just go and see what else is out there and we'll facilitate a trade to get you some more opportunities. Because also you've got players, like a few young players behind him, like Taji Way Woden's been knocking on the door. You've got players that can temp- potentially step into a role that he would play. I don't know. I don't know. That's... He'll be forever remembered for that kick to Bailey Fritch in the grand final. I will never, ever forget that. That is the best kick in his life. It's it's forever etched in my mind and I will always remember him fondly and he's got his fans for the Ds. But I honestly don't see him replacing anyone with the skill set. Okay. As much as you said, Spargo's been well off, but I think that Bowie can fill that role as you mentioned earlier. So, no, I, I can't see him making it back into the side just yet. I really want to watch Bowie's game from the VFL because he had high numbers. I think he had the twenty-seven and potentially around the ten mark count. So I, I'd love to watch the highlights of his game because just more so to see where they've used him because. I think he can be a huge asset. He's a very smart footballer and yeah, his ball use is amazing. So he's one that could really shake things up and, you know, that shift to magnet, which would be good to see. Um, but yeah, let's let's look for tomorrow night. Let's look to see where the selection lies. Obviously the final teams won't come out to Friday, but um predictions for the game. What are you what are you thinking? I mean, obviously the biggest thing is 
in my book, I think the biggest thing is, yeah, keeping Toby to probably under two would be a win, I reckon. And we can, yeah, hopefully walk away with the round. I reckon my prediction, probably a three, four goal win. Yeah, I'd say the same. Dee's just got to make sure they try and find high ground because, um, yeah, you stick to high ground and, you know, you watch out for tsunami. Just steer clear of the tsunami. That'll just wash right past you and we'll be able to get on top. How you escape the orange tsunamis, you just get to high ground. So that's what the D's got to do. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's well summed up. Very well. Oh, I was more laughing at the fact about your the rap that you were just giving my James Harm, and I was just thinking back to what how many weeks ago was it that you you gave him two absolute baths this year, and then you've just gone and contradicted yourself about saying how amazing he is. So what? Arms <laughs> amazing. Oh, you just talked about how amazing his ball use was. Did I say James Arms? I said yeah. Bowie, didn't I? I swear you're talking about Harmsy. If I was talking about James Harms, please crucify me because it's, no, that's wrong. <laughs> Whatever now it is, we, it's staying in because now this is now important. Okay, I'm I hope you're listening. And look, I'll tell you what's going to be an interesting <laughs> edit. But if I did get that wrong, I'll clarify. I was talking about Bowie. No, I'm going to edit that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. No, look, it, it is. It, it's a massive game for us. It's probably season-defining in the sense of a win, keeps us within that top four group, but a loss, as you said, kind of pushes us back down towards the pack. And yeah, I mentioned yesterday with Donnie that not a top four win uh, finish for us this year is a, is a failure as much as that, you know, to, to go up to Brisbane or to go to Port to play a final is, uh, no, it's not daunting. Like you, you, you embrace the, you embrace the challenge. It's, it's not your home ground, but you know what? You get the double chance. I just think that we're certainly we're still better than those, you know, Essendon and Kilda like Bulldogs. We're still a level above that. We haven't been playing like that, but yeah, Melbourne really has to sense the moment here. They have to realise how important this win. We've got a pretty reasonable run home. We've got a we've got some. Hopefully, you'd like to think this the wins we can bank on the run home. This, as you mentioned, as you labelled up the top, is a danger game. Like we had success at Traeger Park last year. We beat Port Adelaide last year up there. We've we've played there for however many years in a row now, so the Wait familiarity. Hey, Wait for Cozzy. If we get a Cozzy two point oh, four. <laughs> was so that last year? No, it was the year before. Wasn't that it? was last year. Was that no, no, five goals? Like, six goals. Pretty sure it was last year against Port Adelaide, and he just. Oh. Yeah, it was amazing. It, it was amazing, and uh, let's hope he does it again. Oh, just I'll leave it at that then. Just yeah, leave it at that, cos. <laughs> Yep, that'd be good. We talk here a lot about attention to detail. I know you do. You- in an investigation, details matter. That's as much detail as we're going to go into today. All right, mate. Another week down. Round 16, we're looking down the barrel of Thursday night footy's back. But we're just chatting about the run home. You've got it there in front of you. Do you want to give us a bit of a spin? What are we looking at heading into September? Okay, well, obviously sitting 9-5 and five and with 23 games this year. It's, you know, there's... A lot to go through. You think, you know, back in the, you know, the 12 and 10 sort of marker is your, your sort of top eight marker and then probably a 15 win is your top four. So based on that, you're thinking, you know, well, it's a bit hard to sort of think about the 23 now, but you probably think 13 wins get you a top eight spot. And yeah, you're, you're 15, 16 again for the top four. But coming up against the Giants, obviously, you know, you'd like to hope that we win this game. It's obviously a huge danger game. Um, following week, round 17 at Marvel against St Kilda, I think, honestly, we match up pretty well. And I think that'll be, that'll probably be a really good game, actually, on the on the Saturday night. Um, then, we, then we've got two, two games at the G up against Interstate Clubs, which kind of concerns me the way we've been playing against Interstate Clubs. I mean, more so thinking of the Frio game at the G, but... The next one comes up against uh, Brisbane. You know, it's it's a remake. Well, not remake, but they're coming back to the MCG where they've got a terrible record and you think, bloody hell, you, you just hope we get over the line on that Friday night. Like, it's going to be, yeah, I mean, we've got to be bloody loud for that one. Adelaide, who obviously just pushed Collingwood, could have easily had a shot near the siren um, to potentially roll roll over Collingwood. So another danger game. Then Richmond, like, it's, it's a huge five-week block coming up. Um, and then to finish the run home, we've got, you know, four bottom 
bottom five, six teams. We've got, you know, North Melbourne in, in Tassie, Carlton at the G, Hawthorne at the G, and then the Swans at the SEG. So it's funny run home. Um, obviously, I think if we were to finish top four, we'd have to be winning at least three or four of these next five. I think, you know, it's a bit of a no-brainer because if we get those three or four wins banked, um, you know, that pushes up to the, the 12, 13 win mark. And, you know, if you're thinking of 15, 16 wins, us winning three out of those last four um, seems like a pretty high chance. Yeah. No, I'm right with you there. I was just having a look. So Herald Sun predicted our run home and I've just been without rehashing what you just said. But the games that they've picked us to lose, round 18, Brisbane against the G, which is interesting in regards to their result. But we were both, we were there Last year, I've seen it happen. So, yeah, <laughs> see what happens. And that's it. They've got us winning every other game, finishing third at 17 and 6 record. The only other games I'm probably looking at that are a little bit, uh, probably a little bit nervous about is probably Sydney in Sydney, round 24. I think. I haven't played there for a while. No. And Sydney, like, they're not, their record now doesn't represent their, you know, their talent level. I'm not reading into too much on what just happened on the weekend, the, the bloodbath it was, but you know, they're a grand finalist from last year. They didn't get there for no reason. Like they're still a talented squad and being there at home. But I mean, that's pretty impressive. That's yeah. You're looking at what's that? Eight wins, one loss. Like that's, uh, I don't know. I don't know how much you read into that, but yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly, certainly promising and hopefully, like we started all off with a win on Sunday afternoon this this week and beautiful backdrop that it is. I love watching games on the TV there. Just it's so picturesque. Like it's such a great spectacle to watch and, and yeah, it stays light for ages and you get to see the sun going down, especially at that same sort of time. So it'll be uh yeah, huge game and and huge for that community as well too. You know, Melbourne does a lot of work with that community um, within within the competition and there's a big reason why we continue to establish that relationship with them and you know it's it's more than football in that space so i think it's a great opportunity for for the players and the community to get out there and sort of share share the love and and do their bit for for the community whilst the whilst the club gets a little bit more financially as well too in the books so now nah, look huge huge win well, hopefully huge huge game this this sunday it means means more than the four points it's, it it truly could define where we're heading at for the remainder of the season and sort of set us up for success heading into September. So that's it. We'll leave it there. Leave it there. <laughs> big yeah, thanks. Bit of a plug at the end. Yeah, bit of a plug. <laughs> big thanks to our sponsors, Hot Band Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. Don't forget you can find us on the socials. Don't leave us a review. Rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, shoot us an email at attention to detailpod at gmail.com uh, or on Insta or on Twitter. Simo, thanks again as always. Enjoy, uh, yeah, enjoy school holidays. holidays. Enjoy can, I, can I ask you a question before we do sign out here? Yeah. What's your favorite shape flavor? Nacho cheese, easily. Nacho. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I thought you were going to go this. Nice, there you go. So, so I'll just warm you up for the, uh, the MC gig. Oh, righto. No, no, nacho cheese, underrated and very, very good. Very, very do you know good. what? Their, fla- their flavor on those uh actually next to none. What do you right. mean? When you get those little packets, they're bloody the flavor on the nacho cheese buns, and that it's so good. Oh, so good. I thought, yeah, right. At least next to none, as in like there was no flavor on there. <laughs> oh, no. Nah. As in like they're like they're number one. There's yeah, no right. <laughs> anyway, oh, most importantly, most importantly, go the days. Go the days. <laughs> <laughs>